Good morning, it's 8 o'clock here on Sunday, the 9th of July. This is it. Good morning, this is the big kickoff. Welcome everybody. Uh, we've got an action-packed show today and we have a, a special guest, our, our rugby correspondent slash expert slash whatever we want to call him, uh, there with us for the first hour, because obviously we're going to bring up the uh, the Lions test that happened yesterday. Uh, what else have we got on the show today, my good sir, Mr. Shannon? Uh, good morning, Dave. <laughs> How do? Yeah, we have um, well, we have Darren. We're going to talk about, uh, obviously we have to talk about the, the third test. Um we will also be talking about uh, on, on a, a grander scale on all the sport that's been on this week, which has been a massive amount of sport. We've had the Irish Open in the golf, Tour de France, Wimbledon. So it's a, it's a sport overload uh, when you include the Lions as well, which is which is great for us. And yeah. uh, football is starting to creep back in. So we'll touch on the football a little bit. But we also have our... Uh, well, we were hoping that it was going to be a joint-killing uh, exercise from the Lions yesterday um, against, obviously, the Giants of, of rugby. It shows you how strong that the Lions are. But uh, we'll do a little uh, feature on uh, joint-killing in sport uh, a little later on, about 9 o'clock or so. Excellent. And uh, when we come back, we're going to go to a quick song. But yeah. when we come back, uh, I think we'll start off with a little bit of the Lions where we might actually get a four test. Okay. Cranberries with zombie. Good start off there, my lads. Good start off. Right, we have Darren here today. Good morning, my good sir. How are you? Morning, morning, morning. How yeah, are we? All's good. So we're going to kick off with the Lions and we'll briefly mention this little potential for November the 4th. It probably won't get off, but it's just people brewing up a storm and obviously the fact that they're still riding on the crest of a wave of yesterday. But barbarians are taking on New Zealand in Twickenham and they're kind of already saying, oh, why don't they roughly pick pretty much the Lions squad? So it could be a one-off decider, which obviously sounds a bit silly. It doesn't make sense. It, the series is done. It's done. But it's just interesting. You can't ignore it. But I presume you agree with me that, yeah, it might be a bit on the silly side. It's, it's done. What's done is done. Yeah, I'd say leave it. Yeah. Just it's done. Move on. Plus the other thing, I get a little bit selfish now. Mm. After the lines is finished, it's like, okay, well, what, what's Ireland doing next? Yeah. <laughs> and you're kind of going, I'm fancy going, oh, well, they're not going to have such and such a player because he's gone off to play with the Babas. You yeah. Know? yeah. 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 But I think the, the English Premiership will put a kibosh on it anyway because they're not allowed at the moment <coughs> to play in the game. So yeah. even if they wanted to, they'd have to do some serious uh, 
uh, entertaining of the Premiership yeah. and they're the ones who were putting the kibosh on the line store in itself that's why it was as tight as it was because they were holding yeah. on to their players as long as possible and yeah, they're, and you can understand, they're, they're you actually can understand not bothered it. about the line store if anything no like, you can, you can understand they, it I mean it's, it's, it's a it's a it's a bit like going away and playing for in football terms going away and playing for Ireland in the, the USA Cup between four teams Honduras and yeah. you know like it, the, the relevance to it, it it is prestigious in in what the history behind it but it, there's nothing actually to it in the end there is the, you don't come away with it uh, you know any I wouldn't say great fulfillment you do mm. but for the clubs and all that they don't really give a rat's no. ass about it do they no. at all so and they're paying the players and stuff so that they, yeah. they they don't really want that and in fairness I don't think we want to see another test mm-hmm. uh, because it's done and dusted yeah, yeah. you know I mean what happens if it's if it's 2-1 do we go right let's go the best of five now and you know yeah, so yeah, leave yeah. it the way it is maybe extra time maybe yeah, it's yeah. just to try and settle it then you know I don't know maybe, yeah. maybe penalty kicks next goal wins <laughs> penalty, penalty kicks in rugby are awesome are they yeah I've seen it, it once was it was it one of the Irish sides involved in it it was definitely in the it was in the champions the Heineken Cup back yeah. in the day a couple of years ago I can't remember who exactly but I definitely did see one and it starts off with probably the kickers down the middle. It's it's usually down yeah, the middle, isn't down, it? Usually down the middle, and, and then, then it just goes down the team. And you just go down the team. <laughs> it's not quite like seeing a prop come up and yeah, just slot yeah, it over yeah. and not even celebrate. Just go, yeah, yeah. I told you. So. <laughs> yeah. Every day in training, I keep saying, "Why won't you let me take the kick?" So to kick off the the real debate yesterday, what was a quick summary of what you made of the game yesterday, my good sir? Really enjoyed it. Mm. It was a smashing way to finish. Proper edge of your seat stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. Now I, I, I'd kind of watched the first half at home and the second half then with a, a, a bunch of rugby coaches, and it like <clears throat> it was much better watching it with a gang of people because yeah. the atmosphere was there, yeah. and you were you found yourself the more it got into it, you were just screaming at the screen, yeah. just absolutely going mad, making every call, uh, trying to ignore the the standard Sky Sports commentary. Uh. It's 12 all. There's 18 minutes to go. The next 18 minutes are crucial. And Scott yeah. Quinnell coming no, on. And, uh, <laughs> like, he's great now, but it was like, th- it was the wrong time. For, oh, God. Um, but no, I thought it was class. Thought I, I, there is the really obvious call yeah. with the referee, which was a disgrace. Really? Yeah. A, you cannot change your mind on a penal decision. Now, when you say he changed his mind, was that when he had another look at it and he found a way out yeah you think that's what he did basically what happened was it was a penalty because the ball was knocked forward and the guy was was offside he then looked back at it after realising oh this is going to cost him the game he said oh we'll go upstairs and we'll have a look and he has a look and then he somehow decides then that no he didn't mean it it was accidental now 95% 95% for, for, of those incidents are going to be accidental. Are you saying that there's no such thing then as accidental offside? You're offside and that's it. You can, there is accidental offside, but usually when they refer to accidental offside in rugby, it's when you run into your own player. Yes. Who's in, <clears throat> in front of you. And it's not, crossing is a penalty when you deliberately run in front of someone and obstruct them. But sometimes you just pick a ball, run around a corner, and you end up bashing into your own player by accident. And you'd say, that's accidental offside, mm-hmm. and it goes to a scrum. Now, the fact that he dropped the ball quite quick... Yeah, but he th- caught the ball. Yeah, true. Potentially, I'm, I'm using that in yeah. the comments here that no one can, at home can hear, but like he obviously would have copped on quite quick and dropped it. So, yeah. do you think... It was do more, you think he made the call to potentially just even it out and keep it nice and... Same, like, or yeah. Was he I looking so. to find it out, or he seen it and went... 
I, I let it go on. Yeah, I think it was a bit. But, you know what I mean? One of the other things I would say about it was everybody's hopped onto that decision because mm-hmm. it was the most obvious one. It was blatantly yeah. obvious. But he gave a penalty against Sinclair for the scrum. for a scrum, which I thought was a fair penalty. But the next two scrums after that, Sinclair held up his side mm-hmm. and New Zealand collapsed it. Mm-hmm. And he allowed play to go on. Uh-huh. And he was actually standing on the wrong side of the scrum. You would think when you've had a problem with the tie head prop off the lines that you would stay on that side yeah. to keep an eye on it. Yeah. And he doesn't. He goes back over to the other side. He gets in the way of the scrum half. The scrum collapses where the lines were clearly dominant and you don't get a penalty for it. And you were kind of going, that has to be our penalty. We have yeah. to be going back forward again. So it does even itself up. But um, I did like the way that the All Blacks took it though. You know uh, what I mean? They, they were classy about it. You know what I mean? Kieran Reid is classy. He is. It's, it's just incredible because it's big day, hundred cap, the whole lot. And he's he just, a very likable guy, though. Uh, too, isn't yeah. he? Like when he comes on the interview, you're nearly going. Oh, like yeah, he has like that smile. Guy. Now deep down, you look at him hard enough, going, "Yeah, he will kill, kill you." Yeah. <laughs> but he is one of them people. He, he, you know, you know, he's a good, honest, decent bloke, and he's he's the head of the biggest successful franchise in sport. <laughs> yeah. I know I'm using a real American term, but like to yes. involve all sports, yeah. yeah, they are, and he is class personified. Like my my take on it was that. <laughs> Obviously, it would have been harsh on on, on the Lions mm. if they had a given the penalty. But if you're going to have accidental offsides in the game, and there is an accidental incident, well, then you've got a right to call for it. Yeah, but when uh, because you, can you change your mind though? Yes, you, well, if you can change your mind about uh, tries being scored, if you can mm. change your mind um, about you know maybe someone getting sent off using TMOs, surely yeah. you can change your mind in in that situation. Is it the right call? Do you think? Oh no, I thought it was wrong call completely. Regardless, it was definitely a penalty. Mm. Yeah, because okay. if you look at it, every other time that that type of offside happens, the vast majority is like that. You're running backwards, the ball gets knocked forward to you, yeah. and you accidentally catch it because just someone throws your ball, mm. and you just go, oh, caught it. Yeah, and he did, and he caught it, and then he went, uh oh, and, he and then it, he yeah. drops it. Yeah. I hope no one noticed. <laughs> and you can see him looking around going, oh no, I'm in serious. Yeah. And then there's the callback. And did the ref, was it just when he seen it up on the big screen or did he call for it? I think uh, they asked. I think they, oh, they asked. The Lions did? The Lions asked, right. could you okay. go upstairs? Um, and he did. And you can see, Reed in fairness to him now was a little bit taken aback by it. The, the referee turned around and said, listen, I think we're all in agreement here. Uh, that, and, and I think Reed went, no. Yeah, no, we're not, we're not <laughs> in the first one. <laughs> like this is the brilliance of rugby and how much you can see why people switch across. And as we mentioned beforehand, he kind of got oh, no way, mate, and he just left it. Sorry about the accent of anyone from New Zealand listening, yeah. but that was it. He was like letting them know, no, I don't agree with this, and then we move on. And then yeah. even in the interview afterwards, he goes, look, it's irrelevant. Yeah. We yeah. still had other chances. Yeah. Like yeah. instead of kind of, yeah. you know what would happen in football, and I'm not just doing it because he's no, you know, be. but you know, yeah. Mourinho would have done, yeah. or some like these managers in the just they would, we'd still be, we wouldn't even have a show today. We'd just press play, He'd probably still be interviewing, well, moaning it's, about it. It shows you the control that the, the authorities have yeah. on the players, considering how than, physical this game is, yeah. and they're yeah. able to keep cool. And if they go off that the charts, but anyway, did um, sorry, can I just ask? Did, do you think New Zealand? Buckled a little bit under the pressure with some of the missed chances or oh, opportunities that definitely, they had. Definitely, yeah. definitely. But it goes to show the pressure those yeah. guys are under. Yeah. People think when you're on the best team, 
that you're under less pressure. Yeah. Whereas they have to win every game. End of story. No and that's it. And the thing is, that they've lost the game previous. Mm-hmm. They're going into a ground where they have an unbeaten record since 1994. Yeah, 94. Yeah, 94. You're right, yeah. And you're kind of going. Do you want to be the guy on the team that loses that mm. record? And it's over 10 years or something since they lost two in a row or something. That's ridiculous. Stats. That's ridiculous stats. And that's the thing. That's where that pressure comes on. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, it's not like you're, it's the same team. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not like you have the same generation of players that have come through and say, well, we've gone this long unbeaten. There have been players and generations of guys have yeah. gone through completely unbeaten in Eden Park. And you're going... Do you really want to be the guy that makes that mess? Plus the fans will always tell you. Oh, yeah. lost the test series. They are lethal over To Lions. Only one team you has ever done mean? it, and I'm sure they're always reminded. And I think that shows up, Reid, as well. Like, if you watch um, From the Sheds and stuff like that, which would be the interviews they do for New Zealand TV from mm. the changing rooms, um, he's still as magnanimous in the thing in front of the New Zealand press, which is a lot harder to do because it's kind of like if you look at newspapers in Italy, mm. <laughs> you know what I mean it starts with the football on the front and it finishes with the football on the back yeah, it's yeah. the same thing yeah, over there yeah. like it's just wall to wall rugby coverage and they will be they do have that chance or that kind of ability to just turn on you you'll be the best in the world but if you lose a record or if you make a mess or you you know they lose to certain teams mm. that's it you're gone and they will hunt you down I thought it was <clears throat> interesting when he turned around in the interview and he was like yeah well you know that's just the way it is it's uh that's that's the reason why we lost this game and and twice he said that that's the reason why we lost this game they yeah. don't see a draw as yeah. anything oh absolutely a win is only yeah. a win yeah that's all that matters Bowden Barrett the star of the team with the ball in hand could you kind of claim he cost him the game with some poor kick or is that a bit harsh because it is actually his one and only slightly weak spot you could do but yeah. at what point do you turn around and say who put him in charge? You yeah. have his brother there. Yeah, true. His brother is a great kicker as well. Um, he had a smashing game of fullback. Two de- debutants. They, 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 yeah. Like obviously the cross kick was from the brother, but then he tapped it down. Yeah. Quick thinking, and then the other debutants. Um, yeah. Let's move on. I can't remember. <laughs> he went in with the try. Yeah. You know the way they just slot in seamlessly, and yeah. this is a massive game. This is just shy probably of a World Cup final because they understand it. They only come over one every tw- once every twelve years. Yeah. And they say it a lot in the interviews. This is massive for New Zealand. Yeah. Um, so just show you the World Cup probably final that's how big that game is yeah, exactly. for them to do what they did it's phenomenal <clears throat> just on the, the the next tour which is obviously a bit away but uh, Gatland we're taking the show on the road yeah yeah. yeah hopefully got, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gatland is there uh, any reason for him to be ducked at again or is it time to step aside Um. Will he be well, in Europe? Can, well, see, the thing is, he was asked about it yesterday. He did his usual never say never, which you would mm. expect him all to do. He's contracted with Wales to the World Cup. Mm. He has made no hames about hiding the fact that he wants that All Blacks job. Yeah. Now, I don't think he's liked in New Zealand. Do you think it'll be a toss-up between him and Schmidt? Um, I'd say... He probably has more weight behind his bid now because okay. of that Lions victory and the previous one. So you have to remember as well, when you're looking yeah, at yeah. what he's done... He's an unbeaten Lions coach. Yeah, he's won an awful lot of stuff at Wales. Mm-hmm. He has won... What is it? He won the last series. He's drawn this series. You know what I mean? That's a hell of a lot more than a lot of coaches can say. So whether you like him or you don't like him, it's a case of, does he get results? And yes, he does. 
It's that kind of Mourinho argument. You know yeah. what I mean? You, you get him in, you know you're going to get a certain amount, but it's a certain brand of football you're going to get with it as well. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and you're not necessarily going to like him. No. Oh, absolutely. So it is that same. He's not, he's not really liked down there, but he's not really liked up here either. So, no, no. But I, he just goes in and, and does a job. So yeah. I, do, I did like Fair him turning enough. up with the red nose. Ah, yeah, stick it to them, you know? Yeah. Why not? But uh, we're going to go to a quick break. We'll wrap this up and then we'll come up with other uh, sporting news that's happened over the last week. Broadcasting to Lucan, this is Liffy Sound, 96.4 FM. Welcome back to the big kickoff here on Liffey Sound 96.4. And the cats are gone in early July. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It's it's a a long time, a long time. I I don't think I've ever seen it anyhow since they've been uh, out in July. Might be a a thing to think about is Cody, maybe it's it's his time. Maybe it's a Wenger time, is it? Yeah, Yeah, without doubt. Yeah, they were beaten by water for 423 to 222. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's going to be Cody out banners Cody. all over. Yeah. <laughs> Let us down. President Trump will be in in middle of North Korea someday, and there'll be a Cody out banner. <laughs> but in fairness, with not knowing lots, I'd say it's nothing other than they're just having a bit of a dry patch with some of the talent, and within within a year or two, they'll have the next they'll have the next. Uh, Batch of young stars that are going to just run amok again. Yeah, I, but I, they, they, they had a bit of a they, they had a bit of a stumble last year. Mm, they weren't mm. they weren't hot in their heels really, and uh, we thought that then again they got a couple of good decent results. I think in the league or whatever. But it, it seems to be just stumbling along, and I think there might be that gap. They may obviously get them back because it's a, it's they're mad about it. If you yeah. talk about New Zealand, you're talking about you know madness and rugby. Well, Kilkenny's exact same thing. But, uh, oh, sure, they walk, they walk to school with a hurl in their hand. Every now and then, when I'm down down the town doing work, you can see them all. They're all walking to school practically. Well, in the, the maternity, off the wall. In the maternity, yeah, no slitters though. It's just rough. <laughs> yeah. It's just rough. <laughs> the maternity words, they, ha- they hand out a hurl. <laughs> <laughs> they check the grip and go, yeah, yeah. put them on that conveyor belt. Is there something to be said about when a team that looks that uh, indestructible yeah. finally shows a bit of weakness, that there's a bit of people smell blood in the water and, oh, yeah. 100% and I, you know what I mean you get by as a team as you know all the great teams in all sports the when you're on when you're on that there yeah, yeah. when you're on that kind of run of we can't be touched yeah, and you just grind out wins and then you hammer teams and you're already kind of a few points up going into a match because fellas are going oh no we're playing these again yeah. these are so hard to beat no one beats these mm. and it's in your head but like that once you get that win over them like you take the you know be it United when Ferguson left yeah, yeah, and yeah. you started to see little cracks and then all of a sudden everybody's like oh we can have a go at these yeah Old Trafford's not a scary and they don't sit back and like, and every, it. every team was, was it's 30 years since they beat them here or 20 exactly, years since they like, yeah. we, like we would have seen it there in the mid 90s when it was the same with Liverpool like like yeah. once they hit Anfield, it was like here, here's our chance to beat one of the big teams in Anfield because yeah. no one else was. Yeah, they were the weak ones. So well, that's it, it's going to be interesting to see if, if, if how long this period lasts for now. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and our p- team's going to go. 
Cocaine. Like it's always waves. Yeah. It's always waves, but it, 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 we'll see how long it lasts. But, but, but they'll it, be back. Yeah. Any but, other ones? Um, in the championship. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We won't mention it too much. But poor L Dublin got spanked by Tipperary last night. Mm. They're on a downward spiral too, aren't they? After a, it's a, a bit of a peak. It's a bit stage. of both. Unfortunately, some of our better players are playing the bigger round ball, and you've, nowadays there's no such thing as a dual player. It's not allowed. Yeah. Yeah. It's very much one or the other, which is unfortunate. Um, if Dublin were able to pick. Who they could, um, they'd be just as good. Well, not just as good, but they would definitely be able to compete a hell of a lot more, and they'd be yeah. much more in the, the latter stages of the championship. Is there still trouble with management there? There, there probably always is, to be honest. Um, Jared Cunningham, I think, unfortunately, might be on borrowed time now at this stage. Yeah. Um, they might have to go again and go back to the drawing board and mm-hmm. start again. And but unfortunately, I think a lot of it is down to there's at least four or five players who will be in that starting fifteen, and it was shell of a doubt that are in the senior football panel yeah. that would probably grace a lot of teams not just Dublin and, it, and then you draw one of the favourites for the championship <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah at home at home yeah. Yeah. yeah well Dublin can't really complain too much about that seeing as they pretty much play at home and football all year round anyway and uh, are, are, are Mayo out yeah uh, no, they, oh. get, they, get, they got me a little excited. They were eight, eight points to six down against Clare and Pat Spillane. They, they were all rubbing their hands thinking, geez, this could be massive if it happens. Then the second half started and it was like the first half never happened. And like, I can't remember exactly what it was. They got a couple of goals and they were just all over. I think uh, Clare only got another point or two. It was, right. The big boys showed up and a few of the big boys came off the bench and they, they went at him. They hammered him, unfortunately. Uh, we're going to kick off with uh, some Tour de France. Bit no, I think we're going to go te- to tennis. Oh, tennis. yes, plenty. Um, I, I was looking at a bit of the tennis during mm-hmm. the week. Um, I was looking at the likes of uh, Nadal and Murray. Mm. I, I watched Nadal. Nadal, for me, has been absolutely outstanding. Yeah. And as I said before, I think he's definitely going to... I, I, uh, 100% nearly sure that he's going to win it. The way he's playing, the mm-hmm. only one, maybe Federer is, is probably mm. on the level now. Um, I thought maybe Stan Vavrenka would we said to him gone in first round yeah and uh, he was knocked out by Medvedev mm-hmm. who in the second round who was a hero he was on his hands and knees when he beat uh, Ravenka and he, you know he put all his best tennis in the first round second round he got knocked out uh, by uh, a Belgium I'm not even going to say it. no I'll try it Be- Bellamans uh, Ruben Bellamans and he got knocked out uh, in four one two five sets but he absolutely lost the plot absolutely lost the plot he, he demanded because there was some close calls he demanded that the umpire was uh, thrown out and that they got another umpire in during the game and at the end of the game when he lost he started throwing coins that's right I've seen that did you yeah. see that yeah, yeah. <laughs> started throwing coins like this is a 21 year old where did he find them I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's where he lost. He's got to remember what a pocket of change is a nightmare. <laughs> Do you have to purchase your Robinson's lime in, 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 <laughs> on cart? It's a little machine. I Imagine sure. going over to you. I haven't. Can you break a fiver for me, mate? I want to get. <laughs> I want to get some cordial out of the fridge here. But bar that was a sterling. Those those pound coins are really worth. They're, they're heavy. <laughs> yeah, they're heavy. <laughs> but the uh, bar that I mean, Murray's Murray's true. Not looking. Uh, he's limping a lot. Uh, there's an injury there and he, he got through his game the, uh, the other day against uh, Fagini Fagini oh, I wish I could yeah. he had a chance uh, and you could see him he see had a challenge. challenge if he went if he went, yeah. and if he went 2-2 two, two in yeah. sets then it was a different ball game altogether but Murray looks like he's he's struggling a yeah. bit uh, and Djokovic could be a bit similar but he, he's, he still he, made light work of Gulbis yesterday in fairness to him yeah straight but he, you still see that kind of vulnerability yeah. with him there at yeah. the moment um, So, but there's nothing uh, Apart from Vrenka, there's nothing really too different there um, from any of those. Uh, in the women's, 
Oh yeah. So my outsider, I said, it's a good outsider for Vrenka for the the, the the men's got that wrong. We <laughs> talked about Kvitova uh, or <laughs> for the the women's gone last sixty four. She got knocked out by the American Brengel. So all of a sudden now that is wide open. But uh, Venus Williams hanging in there. Um, she's not very convinced, and she beat a Japanese contender yesterday. Uh, and in fairness, as we said before, with the, the women's tennis, wide Any, open. Anyone can win it. Anyone can win, win, win the tennis there. Um, Tour de France, savage. No, I think what we'll do is we'll talk about maybe the stage. Yesterday's stage was great, and, yeah. and you and you said you you seen most of that. So I'm going to yeah. we'll let you talk about it. But stage four, uh, well, it's hugely controversial. Okay. Um, uh, Sagan disqualified. Cavendish out, broke broken shoulder. I think it yeah. was broken yeah. shoulder. Broken shoulder. But there was huge controversy over. It. There was a, there was actually a huge crash just before in that crash in the oh, sprint. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think there was, there was something like 12 or 13 mm. bikes flew over the top of each other around the corner on the last mm-hmm. straight. But Sagan got disqualified. And I, I, think I just showed you the clip of, of Cavendish, who might have done a Ronaldo and actually dived. Now, right. or pushed himself so much that he was actually going down. And maybe Sagan... Probably more than likely he was... Pushing for that gap that wasn't yeah, there. And unfortunately, the bike went. And somehow Sagan... Anyway, go on. So we'll just uh, we'll just play a little clip on the last stage or last uh, few seconds of that stage. For no, actually, there was a fella. Uh, what's his name? Kelsberg. It's a two hundred and thirteen kilometer stage, and he was out on his own for about two hundred kilometers, and he was at one stage thirteen minutes ahead of the the peloton. And I'm looking at this, going, "Oh, this is a great. Now he can stay out there. Now we can say, and then edge down to twelve. No, no, just keep it at 12 for a while there. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You keep it at 12 for a while, yeah. 11. And Sean Kelly's on the, the Eurosport and he's going, yeah, he's not staying out there. Yeah. He's not staying. And I'm hoping that this fella hangs in there. They have it to a fine art. They time it. They have the guys in the, in the truck and then they pass it on. You're doing fine. Yeah. We'll crank up a notch in a while. We'll step get it up. They actually have a, 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 a meter, a barometer. Yeah. Listen, yeah. you need to step it up to whatever yeah. it is, 40 We'll reel them in in the next 50k or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. They, they have it to a fine so art. So unfortunately, uh, Kelsborg, uh, I think with... 16 kilometers, I think, is to go. Uh, gets caught. 16 kilometers to go, and Van Kielsburg, the Belgian rider, succumbed to the chase of the peloton. A nervous peloton raced into Vitel, but then were more twists to happen. The yellow jersey hit the deck. Mark Cavendish hit the barriers Edge. in the sprint, with other riders somersaulting over the top. But the French champion missed the melee and raced home to take his first win in the Tour de France. Cavendish hit the deck. Garant Thomas in the yellow jersey was bruised but steadfast. The finish in Vittel was crash-laden. This fourth stage, for sure, will leave traces. So, explain why you think it wasn't. It wasn't intentional. Uh, well, I... I it, when you look at when you look at Cavendish, when I seen it first, I went, "He's after elbowing him. It looks he, bad. Yeah, he looks bad." But when they break it down and when you put it into slow motion, you actually see Cavendish trying to push through on the right hand side of Sagan, and he's starting to fall. And then you see him, you edge it on a little bit more, and he's really going, and he's 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 leaning over, and his mouth is wide open, knowing that he's going to fall. And it's only when he's half over does your man's elbow come up. And it's a long period, only when you slow it down, but it's a long period between it. So I don't think the elbow actually makes 
any contact. Yeah, yeah. So I think Sagan, where beforehand I, I was saying, yeah, he needs to be gone. I think mm. he got hard done by on, on, on that level. Yeah, because more often than not, they get a 10 second penalty. Yeah. Usually. So the, yeah. the, everyone was very surprised in the first place. And then obviously the video we watched, a guy really tried to break it down. Yeah, you do see the bike tilt and he's not even up to his shoulder. Yeah. And I think I think basically it's Cavendish is out because he, he's it badly Potentially injured. Himself, I, think, yeah. I think it was an eye for an eye. Yeah, he's probably getting more contact from the fans he's trying to squeeze by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's probably some... Because there's no gap there and everybody's got Stop their hands <laughs> Anyway. You've seen sorry, stage... Sorry, people of France. <laughs> You've seen stage... stage New Zealand and France. <laughs> you watched stage eight yesterday, bro. Stage eight was a classic mountain stage. Absolute classic one. Um, basically, breakaway group go off and usually more often than not, they let them go. It's the mountains. They'll figure it out. They'll do the maths and they'll find a way of coming back and reeling them in. Um... So obviously coming near to the end of the stage, basically the, the different grades, for fives, fours, threes, twos, up to ones, and ones is obviously the most extreme. And the way the three mountain um, parts of it, they start with a grade three, a grade two, a grade one. So they gradually build up to the hard stuff. So slowly but surely you knew by the grade one, they were all going to start dropping off, which yeah. they did. And this guy, Carlemagne, went for it on his own. And a guy called Guessing from Holland started looking like he was reeling them in. Nicholas Roach was involved as well. And he was within 10 seconds and unfortunately you could see it in him. He was gone and he starts slowly going back. Yeah. Now he ended up in the peloton. He's fine. He hasn't lost out in too much time. But Gessink managed to stay out on his own and look like he was going to reel him in. He, as I said, he got him within 10 seconds. Obviously somebody must have gone into Carla Main's ear and he pushed away again and kept about a 30 second one. You're thinking, right, he's only got one problem and that's this guy. Sky had firm control of the peloton. They just kept it nice and tidy. Let's not burn too much energy. This guy is way down. It's let him have the stage almost, but just let's make sure none of the other boys have a breakaway. Because obviously Froome doesn't have much of a lead at the moment. Plus yeah. he went off as well. So they might have said, right, let's just protect him. Let's get this stage out of the way and keep everyone at bay. So at about 5k to go, everything's looking done and dusted. The guy is already, he's, he's already struggling as it is. He's putting everything into it. This is his moment in the sun, like, you know, and with literally bang on the 5k mark when he went under the barrier. He practically stops dead. He stands up, does he? He literally stands up on the bike and Sean Kelly jumped on a straightaway. Because he, he knew whatever way he twitched the leg, he said, it's cramp. He said, he could be gone here. And your heart your heart drops from him because this is everything. Um, and they're, the team he's with, they're, they're, they're called the wildcard team. So they'd be like a second tier. So they have to get invited because they're not right, one of these elites. Right, right. So them winning so early would be massive for the sponsors and plus prize money for the stages is huge. Yeah. And so, he's French as well, isn't he? And he's French, the whole shebang. He's got it all. But uh, somehow he managed to do his quick few stretches. He, about 10 seconds, 15 seconds, but you're thinking, oh, he's done now. The other guy's eventually going to embrace past. But somehow, as we were joking earlier on, maybe the drugs kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he literally, he slowly but surely got the legs pumping again and he managed to fish it, finish it out. But there's one moment, I think, with about 1.7k to go where the tongue is out, the head is shaking, like left and right. He's in bits. He yeah. is really hanging up, but he was not giving up. You could see it in him. Like he was never going to give up. This is one opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. And of course, as soon as he crosses the line, he's on the ground. It takes about three or four lads to pick him up. His legs aren't moving. They're dragging him back. He's he's put everything on the line, but he, he's got his win. Dan Martin had a little go with a couple of a couple of K to go just to try and reel in a few seconds because I think he's only 26, 27 seconds behind from him. He is 25. 25. So he had a little pop with a couple of K to go just to maybe steal a few seconds because there was another little climb before they went in but they reeled them back in so everything stays the same up in the general classification but he's there thereabouts at the moment well I think what happened was I think it was either stage 4 or stage 5 that he actually out of nowhere very under the radar he nicked 6 seconds yeah. on the leader and yeah. he seems to do that he always just edges away a few seconds yeah and, and it was a similar tactic yesterday yeah. it was going to let's rub another few seconds and chip away like. yeah. so Froome is uh, leading mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, was it Garant Thomas? Garant Thomas, yeah. 12 seconds behind, yeah. same team. Uh, Fabio Aru is 14, and then it's, it's Dan Martin then, who's 25 seconds. And 25 seconds, I'm not, I, I don't know if Dan Martin, how good he is in the mountains, but he's obviously decent enough to... to he's always been there, thereabouts, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. I think he's one of these all-rounders. He is half decent, but it, he wouldn't be one of these who can just break away. Like, Froome is awesome in the mountains as well. Yeah, yeah. So he, something like the little chips away here and there is probably the best thing to do. Because Froome, somehow, man, he is awesome in the mountains. That's where he makes it, like... Sky are going to come up with a plan in one of these stages and they'll blitz people they'll send out five or six together with Froome and they'll yeah. almost pace make and then one fellow will die off the next fellow will die off Froome will just sit to the back does nothing yeah. but they'll chip away and get the lead and he'll get his four or five minutes it'll happen at some point or that's it should what, happen that's why they have their Nicholas Roaches in that team you know what I mean well they did yeah. you know, yeah. he's on his own but yeah they yeah, have four or five it, lads where they build up including Thomas yeah. Thomas is almost as good as him but he'll probably take over from Froome as number one at some point that's the way they do it it's like Froome was Wiggins is number two yeah. and he helped Wiggins but you could almost see at the time Froome actually slowed down one uh, in one instance to bring Wiggins back up to win that and I was like yeah you've won it now get lost I'm, I'm the new sheriff Yeah. so that's what's Sky are a savage team and that's what'll happen and that's how it's like remember we mentioned last week in the first in the first uh, stage yeah. Verdi went he is Quintana's number one he, yeah. he's his right hand guy Quintana doesn't have him so he needs to really work hard with other people to try and get away from Froome to have a shot so just wide open. To finish off, uh, the Irish Open's on. Uh, Rory. Oh, and what a beautiful course. Ah, it's in great nick. Unbelievable course. Uh, great conditions. They're having a field there. It, it's Portrush, is it? Portrush. Portrush. Well, Portrush. Uh, and McElroy's gone. Um, missed the cut. Uh, who's in lead? Daniel Lim, John Ram, and unfortunately for Irish uh, yeah. players, Paul Dunn, I think, had a two over yesterday. Yeah. Slipped away. With a lot in the pack, unfortunately. Yeah, a lot in the pack. And a good, so I think, seven, about ten shots off the lead. So yeah. it's all over for the Irish yeah. contingent. Speaking both. of which, have you seen uh, Park Harrington's action that even Rich Beam was having a giggle? No. He, you know, Park's very much, uh, he gets stuck in to the, the, the methodology of the game. He Basically, his swing looks normal, but he just finishes off. He kind of steps forward. Oh, it's his he new takes one. that one step. He, he ste- does the... What you call it? Adam Sandler. Yeah, it quite, it's like a very shortened <laughs> version. It's like he does a swing and then he just takes a little, little step, step forward, forward and yeah, Rich yeah. Beam, unfortunately, his professionalism dropped for a split second and after the 12th hour, he just kind of went... <laughs> <laughs> Did he? And you and Murray's like, yeah, right. he says, I, I'm sorry, it just sometimes it just gets me. <laughs> and he says, don't get me wrong, I'd say there's going to be thousands of people around Ireland and the golfing range just trying this tonight and you and Murray's like, well, I'm going to be one of them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, they can see the reason, but... Uh, you know, it's interesting. But in, in fairness, he's he's in half decent form, so you never know what next with the next the link swing that it is. Um is, is the course too easy when the weather's good? Most links links has to have the wind. Yeah. Real, yeah. real wind. Like the the fact the fairways are narrow. Yeah. Like yeah. it is tough. If you're not driving well, you're gonna struggle. But you know, if you, if you need the conditions. If you have the rain and the wind, if you have the rain to, to, to catch your club when you're yeah, in the, the yeah. longer stuff and, yeah. and the wind. Because even Rose yesterday, he was in the rough and he only hit it about 50 yards and he put everything in. Like, there's plenty of punishment around yeah, there. It's yeah. just, you need, at the moment. You need yeah. that the typical cut, seaside weather. The cut was like four under or something. It was the highest yeah. cut of the year. That and the Spanish Open, I think, had four under. But uh, yeah, that's a bit of a roundup in the news. We're going to come back with Back in Time after this short break.
Welcome back to the big kickoff here in Liffey Sound 96.4. 2007, boys. Do we all remember it well? Yeah, yeah. actually, when you look back at it, you, you remember a lot of stuff that, that went on. Yeah, well, it was fresh in the mind for me, I don't know, because it was only 10 years ago, so we're grand. But uh, the reason why we were going with it, uh, we might as well kick off with one of them. Uh, obviously, golf and rugby and everything being quite prominent at the moment. Uh, Harrington winning the major, his first major in, in 2007, obviously, uh, in a playoff, four-hole playoff against Sergio Garcia. Uh, one of the greatest golfing moments obviously we're Irish and, we, and we're looking at it from an Irish yeah. point of view but that's the reason why it's one of the greatest uh, golfing moments because mm. it was so dramatic uh-huh. and you would have if it wasn't Harrington you would have wanted Garcia to win at, at yes. that time yes. yeah. but it was such a, a huge moment for an Irish player to go and, and, and win amazing. especially on the 18th he was two shots clear yeah, yeah. and he has his Jean, de, Jean Van de Velle moment yeah. Yeah. he put it in the bourne from the tee and then his second shot he put it in again I think so yeah and yeah. he double bogey but as he's walking back for the second shot Garcia they kind of walk across the bridge together and Garcia has the filthiest grin ever <laughs> and he, he doesn't even look at him but he has that say yeah, you're gone and as we now know it's because they actually there's a bit of niggle between them yeah, they don't make it and so. it goes back to the Sevi Trophy with Elazabal and the whole shebang and now obviously we know now because Harrington kind of put it out there with Sky Sports and, and everything else probably the best thing he did yeah, but to earn it out exactly because at the time I didn't realise how bad it was but it was only when you see it now in the videos that we've looked over the last couple of days you can see it's proper like I'm delighted I am absolutely <laughs> yeah. it's not like unlucky mate you know etiquette and golf no. he's like get in yeah, there little snake yeah <laughs> of obvious. I was yeah. like screw you Sergio now I'm delighted yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you bottled it for years <laughs> <laughs> But it was fantastic, like, you know, and obviously he went on to retain it the year after. And he was, he's the only the second Irishman to do it. Uh, Fred Daly's the one and only. So it's, this is and it was something a, exceedingly a, rare. The reason why it was such a great win was because Woods was uh, in his prime at that yeah, time. And he was yeah. going for three in a row, I think, with the British Correct, Open yeah. that time. So that was a, a huge moment. It showed how well he was playing in, the, yeah. in that probably two, three year period. And he was able to back it up because he obviously retained it the year after. And was it the year P- after he won the next PGA, major PJ? Yeah, or was it 2007? I can't uh, remember. No, I think it might have been the year after. The year after he won the two, yeah. Two in a row. So. I think like, so. so. We'd arguably one of the best golfers in, around at the time. It was great was it, to see. And he it, backed it up. That yeah, was a good thing. T- Tiger Woods won it in 2007. Because a lot of players can win one. Yeah. You know, but he was able to back it up and he can sit there now and nice and, and confident. And, and say, be one yeah. of the greats. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, Rugby there, Six Nations, France, France won it. Yep. Uh, World Cup was better forgotten, I think. Oh, it? yes, it was. That was, that was the horrendous yeah, one. Um, that was the one they'd done the big, they all went off to that big freezer meat locker place in Poland. You know, you do that <laughs> sub, sub-zero training. Mm. You do your training and then you go into this basically glorified meat locker. And they freeze. You just go in a pair of shorts and a woolly hat. And this is for what? Uh, it helps you recover quicker. Okay. So the idea behind it is that it's kind of like doing ice baths. Yes. But you can you basically go and stand in this thing for a couple of minutes and it's horrendously painful. Okay. Got, but then you come back out and apparently you're able to go and do another training session then that afternoon or you know what I mean and you can and the whole idea is it's supposed to pick up your speed. The English team did it before they went to the World Cup this year or sorry, the most recent World Cup, um, apparently you're supposed to do it for a week or two weeks to get any kind of benefit out of it. Mm. But, you know what I mean? It's like all the of lads, these things. The lads paid for, for one day. and Yeah. yeah. You know, tick a box. Tick so, a box. Someone heard it. Someone got a voucher. But the big highlight for that year, obviously, was Crow Park. We're going to Croker. Yeah. Oh, against the English. Uh, 
watched the clip yesterday and BBC were very good about it. It was a great clip about the significance of what's happening. They went into great detail what happened. It was very much like, yeah, here's a little reason why a lot of them don't like us. Like, there's yeah, reasons, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. not just because they're neighbours. Yeah, we, we weren't that nice to them, you know. And John Inverdale is there. He's in the ground. He goes through various bits of the story. Um, and then we all know what happened with the anthems. And it wasn't just the oh, bullheads. Everyone knows the bullheads. But O'Connell was struggling. Uh, there's a great moment of O'Driscoll. It, you, you know he's fighting it because he takes this big gulp. It's like his debut. It was like a kid making his yeah, debut. But yeah. you know because it's O'Driscoll. Yeah. It's actually it's actually because um, you can see it. He, there's the lump there and you can see him trying to push it down. They were all there. They were all at it. But there was the tension before that as well. Yeah. Of what's going to happen when they play God Save the Queen exactly. in Croker. Yeah. You know what I mean? Was there going to be, you know what I mean? And even then, when it gets that quiet, if you get one person shouts out something, yeah. Yeah. it'll stand it out. It. Yeah. I but think the way it was was probably more unsettling for England because it was oh, un- yeah. it was unnervingly quiet, as if to say, it's going to be a moment. And yeah. everyone just yeah. sits there real quiet. I, and, and then, then they the Irish anthem started. Say, yeah, we're going to kill you. Oh, but the Irish anthem yeah. started and that place just erupted ah, it's I've never heard anthem sung like it you know that kind of way yeah um, class I was on Hill 16 for that yeah you were phenomenal yeah, yeah I was and to was a 43 13 to do it in the way we did it wasn't just a beating we absolutely hammered, hammered them and yeah. uh, it, it was proper fitting yeah. and, uh, and then a couple of weeks later the, the, even the football team got involved they'd done a job on, on Wales and stuff so you know, it wasn't a bad affair for 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 everyone. I think it was the France beat us though. There wasn't it. France beat us in yeah. the first. Oh game. yeah, there in the end, and uh, it was close, wasn't it? It was, was kind of near one the end. We oh. just had to win our own restart. That's it. We'd scored a try, got in front, then yeah. or no, sorry, they'd scored a try near the end, and they were kicking off to us. All we had to do was take the ball in and hang on to it, and then kick it out. And we didn't we didn't gather the restart. They got the ball, went down the far end, yeah. and scored. And that was it. And then one other quick mention from 2007, the greatest darts final, Barney Taylor. Yes. I, Circus I, I don't, you had a story about that. I was in New York on the honeymoon and I went in for my little usual afternoon point. You this know. is your, uh, it's your honeymoon, was yeah, it? the honeymoon, yeah, 2007. And you all and romantic. You, and you abandoned her? Oh, no, we were both there. We'd we done plenty of walking. See, New York, I, I've never been in Subway, never been there four or five times. It's just always walked everywhere. Yeah. And Looking for up. somewhere with the darts on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, there's another shop, go shopping, yeah. Oh, there's another shop, go shopping, yeah. Nearly there, nearly there. Oh, there's a bill. Come on, we go in for an afternoon drink. He's, he's playing it. Have you got that there? Oh, no. Now, this is only 10 years ago. Sounds like you were playing it nicely. It was all yeah, yeah. Oh, listen. What? Premeditated. If Jackie's listening, she knows game. where I'm coming from here. And she's not going to be shocked listening to this. There's always a plan. I'll do this. If I'm being nice, there's a game tomorrow or there's a game today. He's bought, he's setting me up here. And I was doing the same thing. And we were in the Tierney Oak across the road from the New Yorker where we usually stay. And terrible nice fellas walked in. Start, we don't have it. Like this is only 10 years ago. And Sky and the whole thing still wasn't happening quite so much. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And it was very rare. Somebody had a fancy... PC satellite thing where they could pick up things but it was very it, uh, very rare across the island of Manhattan but anyway he was getting little text updates this is how bad it was it was almost like watching it on CFAX and I was like uh, I think it was 3 or 4 nil up Taylor was well ahead and then Barty ma- starts making the comeback and then it really cranks up and then you're getting oh yeah it's now 5 all now it's 6 all now it's 5 all in the final set it's gone to a sudden death and then, yeah, Barney's after doing it. Greatest final ever. That, that last text, and I always remember him telling me that. And I'm sitting there, I can't believe it. Like, typical, like, because I did, we did watch it. But, um, and then obviously Taylor at the time was in the height of it. So it was great to see the big one getting knocked down. 
But uh, literally, just to finish off, this is literally how he finishes it off. This is Barney winning the world title. Raymond Van Barneveld, four times video champion, to end the greatest year of his life. Tops he wants. Classic. But uh, yeah, that is 2007. Hell of a lot more that we could have gone to Port Tunnel Open that year, lads. You'd be good to know. No, I've never seen it, I don't think. <laughs> so, and there was a, a small matter of Liverpool losing the Champions League. Yeah. Anyway, uh, do you want to go to a song there, Shannon? Okay, enough about the good news. <laughs> <laughs> Little song, same James the View. I've had the same jeans on for four days now I'm gonna go to a disco in the middle of a town Everybody's dressing up, I'm dressing down That's a cracking tune, isn't it? Brilliant, I can't believe it's uh, ten, years. 10 years old. Unbelievable. I can't believe we're 10 years older. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah let, let's move on. Sure. <laughs> so I can't believe he was whinging about wearing jeans for a week. <laughs> the norm. Yeah. Doesn't have kids. <laughs> right, we're doing a piece, uh, David versus Goliath. It's more on, this piece was all going to depend on yesterday's results. It was going to be heartbreak, heartbreaking results. I was going to be uplifting results. But before the series, uh, 3-0, if they won any game, it'd be big, blah, 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 blah. So we were kind of going, right, they didn't slay the beast, but they didn't lose either. So we said we'd go with some David and Goliath moments to look back on that just... Bit of joint killing. Exactly. And um, and no one, people in sport love an underdog or uh, something that you don't expect to happen to uh, happen. That's what makes sport, A million percent. A million percent. And it does happen. That's the beauty of sport. It does happen and it's not just a once-off and everyone can have their moment as we all know and love and we're not even going to scratch the surface in this. This is something we can easily do again and you almost have a team for sports because there's just so many. I was looking yeah. at a few yesterday in American sports, it's just, it's everywhere, especially in college. Like, nothing college is beating the number one ranked team and the clips are real any given Sunday stuff, music in the background, <laughs> you're like, oh Christ, <laughs> Jesus. You know, mad stuff like so. But the Americans like the drama too. Of course they, they do. And it, it, that could have been a nothing thing, but for them it's it's everything and anything, especially in college stuff. But their number one sporting moment in many of their polls in America is the Miracle on Ice. And what the Miracle on Ice is, the Winter Olympics of 82. Okay. Um, the juggernaut that is the Soviet Union, um, basically a professional outfit, their full time, a lot of them are army they, with CSKI Moscow, which are the army club. Plenty of ice. But, yeah, <laughs> plenty of ice. Like. So they are the juggernaut. They're the ones that just wipe everyone and they win every year without fail. America don't even have... I have a picture of Ivan Dragos, just a whole load of them. On, that's on basically them. what it is. They're all without huge. <laughs> and there's a cracking documentary, which there always is with ESPN 30 for 30. Please get on it and watch it. It's savage. Basically, they are... All six foot two, six foot four monsters. Right. You know exactly. Yeah, he's good. Is he any good? It doesn't matter. He is in USA. None of the professionals of the NHL. It's basically the college team. This is when Olympics was still very much amateur, and they couldn't do any deals with the NHL to get the boys in because it's halfway through the season. So it's all nineteen, twenty, twenty-one year olds straight out of college. 
um, turns out to be a, a half decent side and they managed to meet them it's actually the semi-final game oh. where they take each other on and they managed to pull it out of the bag four to three and as I said in every most polls that they do every couple of years it's, it hits number one every time and for ice hockey that's pretty huge so that's yeah, how big yeah. it actually was at the time this is their fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth probably potential select team beating the best ice hockey team in the world at the time and especially in ice hockey in America mm-hmm. like it's Canada it's their number one sport if this was yeah, Canada yeah. yeah that's fair enough but this is US the US are never really that strong as it is right so it's their college team taking them on and this is literally the last minute of the commentary and it's the one time his name is Al Michaels and I watched his interview on Jimmy Kimmel he's a well known voice you might be able to pick it up obviously this is the 80s it, it, it is you'll, you'll, you'll hear everything but you'll know his voice from Super Bowls and everything else but he, he said it was the one and only time I was able to be myself and really give up both barrels now most of his commentary is literally all he's doing is 1 minute 59 58 oh and it's gone up to the midfield and you can see again right 42 because you can, you can hear the tension in his voice and with a couple of seconds to go you even hear the crowd doing the countdown the crowd goes well it's uh, here's in the back of your neck stuff but this is the miracle on ice Into the American end, 55 seconds, but Mikhailov has the puck. Mikhailov sweeping in, out in front, backhander goes wide. I think Craig might have got it just a piece of it. Mikhailov, back out to Billy Legendov. 43 seconds remaining. Morrow, checked into the boards, it comes back to center ice. 38, 37 seconds left in the game. Petrov with it, the Americans on top, 4-3, to three. long shot. Craig able to get a piece of it to sweep it away. 28 seconds. The crowd going insane. Carlemont shooting it into the American end again. Morrow is back there. Now Johnson, 19 seconds. Johnson over to Ramsey. Billy Lekinov gets checked by Ramsey. McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to Silk. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in <laughs> we weren't even there we got excited I know. <laughs> you can't help it but uh, yeah it's the one time as a commentator I, I, I don't care 99.9% of I'm sure we're American watching so he went for it and he knew what he was doing and he was doing the biggest countdown ever yeah, yeah. and it was great how the crowd got into it yeah. at the end then as well no that was brilliant it finished up like the WWE oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. and a big yeah. pop at the end yeah moving on to darts okay uh, 1983 Jesus, that's only a year later. This, this is where I'm going. Uh, Keith Eller, uh, only up and coming at the time. Uh, the crafty cockney that is Eric Bristow, uh, the monster beast at the time, the Phil Taylor. He was, uh, for four or five years, dominating the game. Keith Eller qualified, managed to make it, and slowly but surely chipped his way up and ended up in the final with Bristow himself. Uh, fairly much a foregone conclusion, everyone thinks, yeah. You can't understate how big Bristow was then. He exactly. Was, he was huge. He was nearly unbeatable at this yeah. stage. And he would have been very mouthy, very much chitty chatty, very much in the air, intimidating players. Cockney like, stuff. Exactly. Proper, like, you know, coughing at the right time or giving him the little eyes as he's walking yeah. out. If he hits a good. And he would have been doing all of this at the time. And Deller somehow managed to channel it and just stay in, stay in, and stay in until the final uh, leg, where I think it was, it was 2 1. In the finals, so it wasn't like a sudden death or anything like that, but it was the final set anyway. And I think it was one two one checkout. Uh, Bristol had, 
And it ended up, he had one last dart at the ball and he went for the percentage shot and he just threw a single 18. So he had a chance to win it yeah. and didn't go for it. And he took the percentage shot, hit the 18 to leave him with 32 for double 16 because Deller was on the famous number that they all, all the darts fellas now have one three eight. Nah, he won't do this. It'd be grand. And then let's just uh, take the clip on. It literally looks after itself. But yeah, Bristol's on a one two one, and uh, Deller's on a uh, one thirty eight. And uh, let's take it away. Got to get this leg, Bristol. Bullseye. Played the percentage shot. He's required. Looking dangerous, Bristol. He's banking on Della not doing this, but the shot's on for the title. Double 12 for the title. A freak out. That is the legend. God rest him. Sid Waddell. One of my favourite quotes is, oh, look at him. He's sweating like a hippo in a power shower. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I, I didn't get to see that clip. What was Bristol's face like? Oh, he's disgusted, but he gives it the real, the little smile of, yeah, well played. But obviously, you know inside what he's thinking. Like, I've thrown this away and... He must be good. Yeah, like, obviously, back in the day, I can't actually say why, but I presume... He kind of went, no, I'll set this up and I'll put enough pressure on him. He won't do it. He'll bottle it. And of course, Della pulled it out of the bag and he has his fairy tale ending. Well, that was your one chance and he took it. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, I have another cracking little piece. There's no clip with it, but uh, another David and Goliath, which is uh, O'Neill's versus Adidas. All right. Um, O'Neill's? O'Neill's, the manufacturing company okay. versus Adidas. Basically, back in the 80s, Adidas eventually got sick of it with the three stripes. They basically said, this is ours. And that's the end of it. Right. And it ended up in the Irish Supreme Court, um, where basically the whole, they, they trademarked the three stripes. Yeah. And O'Neill's obviously were roughly around Ireland at the time, but they were slowly kind of coming out. This is before they've, they've kind of gone international as they have now. Yeah. And Adidas went, have, they, they had enough of this anyway. So they, it ended up in the Irish Supreme Court. So whatever happens, this is law now in Ireland. That's the end of it, no matter what happened after this case. And just to quote the last two paragraphs of it just so we really sound like we we know what we're talking about in the supreme court case o'neill's claimed that people have been using stripes on sporting goods for a long time for fashion reasons and therefore it is a generic mark that doesn't warrant protection from the court so chief justice o'higgins that sounds like a real american yeah (laughs) officer o'higgins was inclined to agree with them and said that he has seen kids playing football wearing socks and shorts with one to five stripes as a fashion design why should adidas be exclusively allowed to use the the famous tree stripes design. So the Supreme Court of Ireland is just that, the highest court in the land, which means it is the final say on a matter and the decision made cannot be appealed. It is because of this ruling that O'Neill's can use the tree stripes and design their own clothing line to this day in Ireland. In Ireland. In well, Ireland. Obviously, so obviously so outside of that, then... They tend to use two stripes or no stripes at all. None usually. Or none usually. Yeah, they wouldn't go near it. And uh, jumping on that then uh, did you see their wonderful goalkeeper jersey for Wickham, Wickham. yeah I, but firstly I wasn't surprised but the jer- I was more surprised that O'Neill's are, yeah. are taking that's a big step isn't it taking a, a Wickham Wanderers a, a league yeah. team in England so 
that's, that's kind of watch this space. But did you see the jersey there? No, I haven't seen it. The jer- the, it basically, what they do, they've designed this goalkeeper jersey, which looks like, uh, I suppose, some sort of a, a, an artist impression of a goalkeeper jersey where mm. there's a lot of splashing of colour on a it. Bit stab Francais. Okay, Except okay. in the luminous yellow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, what it's supposed to do is bamboozle strikers when they're coming through. <laughs> and this is the science that they've put behind it, isn't it? They were being I, I, I love when they bring science into it. Oh, they were being As opposed to, I wonder where the goalkeeper is. Oh, wait, here's that big illuminous thing in the corner yeah. of the eye. I know he's off his line. But the goalkeeping coach was on Sky Sports straight as a die going, oh yeah, we looked into this and, uh, yeah. you know, when the striker comes clear and goal and he looks up for a split second, it might be that split second that's needed for a blah blah. And you can see the keeper trying to talk, but deep down he's like, this is disgusting. But they had, they had the second <laughs> jersey goalkeeper yeah. jersey which is uh, uh, could be with stripes yeah and the stripes in a definition seemingly whatever way it does it makes them bigger <laughs> yes, yes, in the goal yeah, yeah, so if yeah. you look at the goalkeeper he looks bigger with the, the, the stripe definition whatever way it's put into it so but that was always the thing with stripes on jerseys so rugby jerseys will always have hoops like yeah, Celtic yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. the other ones will always go down and with the rugby league lads they'll tend to have the chevrons yes to make yeah, the chest yeah, look yeah, bigger yeah but I know, I know. Uh, was a Conor O'Shea had got O'Neill's in over in Harlequins. Harlequins, yeah. Right. That kind of they pumped on. They got. Uh, I think they're they mightn't still be, but they no, were with Romania. Not, I think they went to Adidas, and then yeah, they have Romania, and they might have had a few other places around. But they, they've definitely been kind and of. They were with Doncaster in football as well, right? And they still could be. They're, they're, they're around. around. Yeah. yeah, but I think if you go back to in the eighties when that happened, Cork would have actually had three stripes, but it was because they wore Adidas jerseys. Yeah, and, and that's why Adidas got involved with Kerry as well in the right, 90s. Because yeah. right. it's like, right, we'll get in on the yacht. Because they actually had a factory down in Cork, so that was... Correct. You have to have a factory in Ireland to mm. be allowed. Be allowed to, and that Kerry Adidas yeah. jersey is like gold us now. Costs a couple of quid to get it because they only produced about 5,000. So. Mm. so that was Adidas' little thing. But then, of course, the GA committee went, no, they have to be Irish-owned and Irish-based and Kerry followed rules there. Yeah. So that's a bit like, the, as you were saying earlier, the Supermax and, and, and McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. Thing, yeah. You know? Um... Right, we're going to wrap up with Darren here because he has to jet off to, where are you going? Uh, the zoo. <laughs> I, was, I was thought he was going to say No, we did rugby training yesterday right. and then pre-season and stuff uh, will kick in around August, I'd say. And we'll, uh, and we'll come back to you in a couple of weeks talking yeah, about we'll stuff a, like that. We'll, but uh, where is your team going off for pre-season? Um, off to France. Very nice. France has to be done. Before school. How old are these guys? Uh, 17 they'll be the 5th and 6th years basically maybe, a, maybe a couple of 4th years for, yeah. how, for, how, for how long and, and uh, 4 of? days I think it's Philippe Saint-André uh, the French coach or former French coach um, has set up a, a kind of sports camp up mm. in the Alps somewhere and I, now I've only seen the, the kind of footage of it um, it looks like somewhere that would be a ski resort yeah. in, in, in the winter time. In the in the summer, then they've got football pitches. They've a lake nearby. They've you know weights, gyms, all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's just a it, it's one of those things. If you want to go away on a tour with your team, are you better off doing it at the end of the season yeah. as a reward, or do you do it at the start mm. for a team building no, kind yeah. of thing? You know what I mean. So yeah. I don't, we're going with the idea. We, we'll do it at the start of the season and try and get a bit of team bonding going, and you know, kind of start the season off the way you want to mm. take it off. Because yeah, with the league, the league will kick in and. Uh, September I think okay. so you're kind of straight into it then you're going to start winning games from that so that's great so I thought it was Euro Disney for the, the, the reward at the end <laughs> 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 is there any ice therapy uh, there's, a, there's a lake oh, okay. cold enough <laughs> that'll oh, be cold okay. enough 
and see what's coming off the glaciers. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure having you in again, and thanks for everything, and thanks for your time again yeah, today. And we'll be back on to you soon as the the, the significant Jeez. rugby <laughs> yeah, exactly. starts again for us. That's it. Well, yeah, pleasure. Pleasure, Jess. Don't, don't slam the door anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy we're the zoo. We're still yeah. on. Say hello to the family, will you? <laughs> see you, lads. Thanks, I'm not going to say who's family, though. <laughs> She's listening. <laughs> All of us, mate. Well, we're going to continue on with uh, another classic, Cameroon versus Argentina, Italia 90. Now, this is before I knew anything really too much about African teams and, and, and just how good Cameroon actually are. But uh, we remember this game quite well, don't you? It was the opening game. Well, the 19- Argentina were the world champions. Because the 1990 World Diego Cup was, Maradona. Yeah, it was so significant for us. And yeah. what I remember of the, the World Cup game, but this is the opening World Cup game, mm. was Maradona was out in the middle of the pitch. I'm juggling ball on his shoulder. On his shoulder. Yeah. Up. And it wasn't like, it was about 20 foot in the air. Yeah. It was boom, up in the air, 20 foot, back down, boom, again. And he was doing it ridiculous. And you're going, I can't wait for this tournament. Yeah. Turned out to be probably one of the worst tournaments. And he didn't show up at all. Apart from one little moment, uh, putting in Kinesia when they played. The Brazil-Argentina was blowing my mind. This is it. I get to see the two rivals. Yeah. Yeah. And it was probably the worst game of them all. Ireland were in a, 1990 wasn't a great World yeah, Cup yeah, uh, yeah. a couple of games with England actually were decent they actually ended up playing Cameroon yeah. but, but the Cameroon game we, we knew nothing about Cameroon Makanaki was a funny name that's all I remember about the team at the time and no man be it but basically uh, they beat them 1-0 but it's famous for the 1-0 but it's also famous for the fact that they tried to kill some of them as well while they were at it and <laughs> this clip the reason why this is in it, it mentions the goal you can hear the commentary and it's fantastic but it's about when I can't remember which beak because there's two brothers where he literally decapitates Kinesia and now two lads already have a goal at him in the one run and he's already on his way down and this guy comes out of nowhere it was, somersaults it was like the, the coach said if he skips by one make sure the second pair get him. if the third pallet doesn't get him just murder him yeah and you know? yeah he pretty much and he loses his boot and he gets up the guys will explain it because this is one of these celebrity shows where people mention like so I'll leave these to it but it's classic and you, no one will see it but his two hands comes out as if to say sorry about what, 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 you know what but anyway this is uh, Cameroon defeating Argentina with some uh, GBH uh, on the side Cameroon made a big impression on the World Cup in the opening game of Italia 90 Cameroon were a very physical side very strong and they had some very very tough players as Argentina found out they had a carefully thought out tactical plan to deal with the reigning champions. They'd knock seven bells out of them. First, midfielder Connor Biek was sent off for kicking Kanidja. Then his brother bulldozed a winning goal. Oh man, Biek! Oh, he scored! They even tried to take out Argentina's fans. Did it actually strike somebody? I think it probably did. But most shocking of all was the World Cup's most perfectly synchronised foul, starring Man Mountain Benjamin Massey. Well, it was GBH, really. Kunde pulled out of the challenge. Not a good one by Ndi. Referee allows him to go on. Terrible challenge by Massey. Take me out! Kanija, like a young, innocent gazelle, sort of sprinting down the wing, giving Argentina half a chance of an equaliser. One Cameroon player just flies across, just misses it. But Massing didn't. And he just clattered into him. There's a boot flying off, it feels like there's landmines going off everywhere. Do you really want to hurt me? 
and then he gets up and goes. Oh. Aside of the, the dancing at the corner flag, they were they were they were pure evil. Aside <laughs> from the dancing in the corner, they were pure evil. <laughs> I don't know if there's people who haven't seen that because in 1990 long time, have a look at World Cup's most Yeah. But have a look at it. It's a horrendous tackle. It's a tackle. Yeah. Don't really say ball and man. There was no such thing. No, there was no ball. There was no it. such thing. It was all uh, It was all man. Um, but Cameroon were a great highlight of that tournament. They got to the quarterfinals and obviously gave England the scare. Yeah. Um, because obviously we always remember our own lads, but uh, it was fantastic. And uh, it was a great shock because at, at the time we didn't know Argentina were not the same team. And uh, it was massive because the build up for that tournament was huge. And then there was the big hole of blue of the, the opening ceremony and then the game started and then just the sheer shock that Cameroon did that. And then obviously they ended up being a good side and good old Roger Miller, who allegedly was, what, 38 or 42 at the time or 50, yeah, who yeah, knows what he yeah. was. And Carlos Valderrama, do you remember that? And he tried to take him on. And that, but that, There was glimpses of light in the tournament yeah. and definitely Cameroon were one of them. Absolutely. Anyway, we're going to come back to one phenomenal uh, joint killing act and it was a team that weren't even in the tournament originally and then somehow managed to get back in and lift up the Henry Delaney Trophy, which is the Euros of 92. So we're just come back to us after this break. Broadcasting to Lucan, this is Liffy Sound, 96.4 FM. Welcome back to Liffy Sound, 96.4 FM. This is the big kickoff. Um, yeah, we're talking about joint killing, and one of the biggest joint killing, I suppose, uh, episodes ever was Denmark back in 1992. <laughs> now, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have a clip that uh, I suppose shows and talks with Peter Schmeichel, uh, Brian Laudrup, one of the great players at that time. Oh, what a player. And Muller Nielsen, manager. They talk, reminisce and they talk about the, the 92. It's a brilliant little piece. But uh, I just want to play the goal. Uh, John Janssen. John Jensen, yeah. Who, who scored an absolute screamer. This is against and they Germany. they never scored again for Arsenal. Yeah. Germany, and I think they bought him on the back of this Arsenal. Yeah, then. yeah, yeah. But Germany never, they had this hands down. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even really going to be a contest, you know. And you'll hear from, from what the, the Danish lads thought about. But I'm just going to play the goal just to add the atmosphere. And this is, this is the, uh, they, they won 2-0. This is the first goal. Helped on by Poulsen. The back heel from Billford, anticipated by Poulsen. Kola uh, was a bit overconfident. Yes! Jensen! Sean Jensen has finally got one right! And Denmark have struck first in the 19th minute. A real bolt from the blue. So that's John Jensen scoring, scoring the first goal. You will get. Vilfort scores the second goal and we'll just play that little clip. Handball. Christensen kicked out then. This is Vilfort! Oh, it's in! It is in! And it's Kim Vilfort! Maybe not. We're going to have to endure another frigate. No, it is over! Denmark's dream has become reality. A quite astonishing achievement. 
the rank outsiders who didn't even qualify have become the champions of Europe, undisputed. Denmark have done it. They are the 1992 European champions. It is simply a footballing fairy tale. So, why Denmark qualified? Yugoslavia were, had already qualified from their group. Denmark finished second. They didn't qualify. But there was a war. And it, it's a you, war. You're hearing slip, it, Yugoslavia, Yugoslavia that was so bad that, uh, that they decided to throw Yugoslavia out. Because, obviously, you can't have a country who are willing to kill their own people mm-hmm. and then put them into a tournament. So Denmark got, got placed into the, the tournament at all, uh, instead of them. And they hadn't done any preparation. Yeah. They'd done no preparation. So what we're going to do is we're going to leave you with Peter Schmeichel, Muller and Niels, uh, Muller, Nielsen and Laudrup just talking about their side of the events that led to probably one of the greatest joint killing. And because Denmark were tiny and they still are tiny, 5 yeah, yeah. million. They're like Ireland. One of the greatest. They were blessed with fantastic players at the time, but it's irrelevant. Like it is massive. But this doesn't happen were, that often. So, they haven't done it since. But they were so fantastic that they didn't qualify. Yeah. So, but Yugoslavia yeah. were a special team as they well. Were like, special. Team. I only watched something recently with Red Star Belgrade, and it was basically that team. Yeah. They were phenomenal. Yeah. They just won the European Cup. Yeah, that's true. You that's know? correct. Yeah, they are serious. So, right, we'll let them talk. It seems certain that the international football authorities will expel Yugoslavia from next month's European Championship finals in Sweden. Denmark will replace them. The war in Yugoslavia, it was so cruel and gruesome that the international community decided that, that enough is enough. You know, we're going to ban Yugoslavia from everything. And the sporting world took a stand as well. When they got thrown out of the tournament, um, it, was, it was then left for us to, uh, to represent that group. I got the call, report tomorrow in uh, Copenhagen. We've got a week to prepare. And I was like, we haven't got a chance, you know. We all gathered on the pitch for the first time and Richard Miller Nielsen, you know, he was standing in the middle and, uh, and he says, um, okay lads, let's make it clear. We're going to Sweden to win the competition. And we were like all laughing, you know. And, uh, but I think at that very moment, I think he, he laid down the dreams and the thoughts that we could actually go on and, you know, do the impossible. I told the players, listen, if we can draw with uh, the English team, uh, then we are at, at the same uh, level as England. I think playing England in the first game and coming away being really, really disappointed that we only got a draw. I mean, we had the best chances, we hit the post and, you know, thinking that we could compete with England who had proper preparations, uh, obviously the reputation and the players that were, were, were in the team at the time, that we could not only compete with them, but we felt that we should have won. We show that, um, okay, we're not going to win the competition, but at least uh, we've got one point now and uh, we are on our way. I can't remember at any time throughout my career a more disappointed dressing room than, than after that game because we created chances on chances, just didn't convert. Uh, and they you know, they scored on one chance and that was it, one nil. And famously, uh, the commentator on Danish TV said, it's all over for Denmark. Uh, and you know, right at that moment, it felt like it was all over. France was, I mean, even stood in the tunnel, a bit arrogant towards us. We had Sivebeck who played in France at the time. And uh, they came up to him and said, you know, don't be too tough on us today. Don't be too rough because we've got to play the semi-final. And, and he's sort of relaying that to us. And, 
And we're like, no, absolutely no way we're going to let them off with that. It was just a, a case of how, how easily can we beat Denmark? You know, they're not even fit. You know, they're, they're, they're not the, the best team in the world. And, um, and France at that time were, you know, a very, very good side. We were 1-0 up. Once we got pegged back to 1-0, uh, to we have to remember France was the uh, pre-tournament favourites. Then they started to, to put pressure on us. And, you know, it was, I'm not saying it was a question of time before they would score, but it was certainly looking that way. I made a substitution. Brian Laudrup, uh, one of our best players, I substituted him. He said, OK, Brian, you don't, don't really look like you, you can uh, play through the 90 minutes. Get out and let's get Lars Elstrup in. And he scored on his first touch. He beat France 2-1. You know, any day, it doesn't matter which tournament that is, that is a good result. And it's funny because I see Platini now and again. He has a, a golf tournament for all his broadcasters that I've been playing for him for the last sort of yeah, five or six years. And every time, and it, it, it you know, never fails to mention this. He said, what were you doing in that tournament in the first place? Of course, uh, Dutch team is a big favourite. But, uh, and I, I cannot uh, promise that uh, we will uh, win the game, but I can promise you one thing, and that's uh, Danish uh, team. Every player will do his best. Do you have one more surprise left for us in this championship? I hope so. Why not? We were standing in the tunnel just before we, we entered the pitch, and uh, I was looking at you know, the likes of uh, Goyd and Van Basten and uh, Coleman and yeah, name them all at Bergkamp, and looking at our side, well, we, we don't exactly look like world beaters, you know, but uh, but again, you know, they, they looked very arrogant, you know, they looked like, okay, let's get the 90 minutes over and done with, and we're in the finals against Germany. That was what everybody expected. I think that game was probably the best game of the tournament. Hitchcock couldn't have uh, instructed uh, a better football match. We took, uh, took the lead and uh, played very, very good. Uh, in the match and okay they equalized yeah and then we took the league again the lead again in uh, in the second half one of our best players henrik anderson um he got a horrible injury uh it sort of it took the wind out of our sails three four minutes before the final whistle uh, the Dutch team got the equalizer then we had to then we had to um, a play again, uh, two times 15 minutes. It was just a matter of time before the, the Dutch would score, but uh, that didn't happen. And, and you know in penalties, with a guy like Michael, you can always, I mean, get that, uh, that save. And uh, yeah, he did it. Stefan Leffenberg final and said, you know, after the final, um, after the final whistle, We'll uh, swap shirts, and uh, and I said no, no problem. We'll do that. And you know, I, I heard on his voice it was just a matter of two, three, four nil for Germany. Normally, Germany are winning also such finals. They are doing that, and in the airport in uh, Frankfurt, they were also building up stands for the, the for the uh, welcome home. You know, you've got a chance when John Jensen scores. I mean that hasn't happened that often in his career. John is one of my best friends. I play a lot of golf with him, spend a lot of time with him. And, uh, you know, I ask him now and again, and uh, he says, that's my quality. You know, I strike the ball really well. When he got that, uh, that blasting goal he, he scored, you know, we knew 
we're in for an upset here. We're in for the biggest surprise maybe in, in, in football history. Peter was very good. Maybe that was the first time where people re realized what a goalkeeper we had, you know, because you have to show it at the very uh, highest level. And that was exactly what he did. And uh, he was outstanding. Second half, uh, Bielford made it for 2-2. And the uh, final whistle, Denmark was for the first time European champions. You win a European championship with your, with your country, and your country is Denmark, small country, five million people. Absolutely amazing. After the final whistle, I was looking, Stefan Effenberg, where is he? Is he ready to swap shirts? No. He left the pitch, you know, I never saw him. It stands unrivaled to anything else that's happened in sport in Denmark. Um, and, you know, people have, they have an experience for that moment. And people come up to you, even 20 years on, come up to you and tell you exactly where they were at that particular moment. We didn't have all the best superstars, but together we made the best team. That a Danish team could go on and surprise the whole football world was something that uh, will stick with most people forever. It's uh, absolutely incredible to be part of that. It's great that, you know, having done something which has made such an impact, and people still remember that. It's, you know, it's, that's what it's all about. So every dog has their day. And it, it shows you that there's, if you have a, a, a team, again, you look at Greece who won it in yeah, 2004, 2004 and all they were was a team together. No one special. Now they did it in the most, probably one of the most dullest ways, but it doesn't make a difference. As you, you talk about uh, Gatlin with the rugby and all, it's about winning. You know, it's about going out, getting a team together and going out and winning. And But this story was so good because... They'd done no preparation through the preparation yeah, thing. Kind of rips up some of the, the coach and the rule books yeah, and all yeah, that yeah, sort of yeah. stuff. And now they did have some great players, Brian Loud and Schmeichel oh, uh, being, a, being a couple of them. Super uh, But it, it was a, a fairy tale story. And yeah, never ever give up on, on any dreams that you have. Leicester. We, it, it, we'll always say that forever now, won't we? Look oh, at that, that's what I'm saying. It's not there, there, that's why it, it happens. These stories give people the. I'm sure that Denmark gave Greece that belief that mm -hmm. they could go mm -hmm. on and do it. Leicester, yeah. Greece gave them, or, you know, that sort of way, they yeah. gave Leicester that thing. And Leicester give everyone a, a boost yeah. that they can go on and do anything. So, you know, Ireland, next World Cup. <laughs> what? No, I wouldn't, I, speechless. What could you do? What, what, what would Ireland do? They'd fall apart. The, no, the country, it would. It would fall apart. There, there wouldn't be work for a couple They'd of days. They'd have to bail anyway. us out again. They won't. Yeah. They won't. <laughs> Junker, get over here. The, the country's the country's on a down a down tilt for the last even, month. We wouldn't even have the energy to make a banner <laughs> for Europe. <laughs> oh, there'd be no beer left after. How long do you reckon the beer last? Oh, just one night. <laughs> just one night. Yeah. We'd be looting Tesco's and all these. There'd be no all, all supermarkets are. There'd be no clothes in hours. <laughs> It'd be mental. It'd be. We're just be drinking brilliant. in the aisles of supermarkets and everything just to get our hands on some beer. I hope in our lifetime we see it. Oh Christ! Anyway, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about some of the merry-go-round that is the wonderful world of football and it's all starting to kick off slowly but surely. So uh, join us after this.
Welcome back to 96.4 Lippy Sounds. That's this big kickoff, and that was Goodbye Mr. A by the Hoosiers. The Hoosiers. The Hoosiers. Right. We can't uh, get away from it. Um, football is really starting to get into momentum now. They're all coming back from pre-season, and we're all waiting for them one or two big transfers to really get it going. And you know you'll have kicked it off with Lukaku coming across. It's it's kind of it's a huge deal. Mm. Um, I know Chelsea put in a, a similar bid, seventy five million. I think yeah, probably possible. a bit a bit too little, too late. Uh, I, I think it's a bit. Too, I, I think one of the big things with, with the Chelsea bid and the Manchester United bid is that uh, Royola, who is the agent, <laughs> gets a bigger chunk with the Man United deal than he yeah. does with the the Chelsea deal. I don't think Chelsea are willing to pay him the money. Yeah, I think that's a big head turner. Yeah, like um, he has Mkhitaryan there. He has. Zlatan was there, but who's the other wing? Oh, yeah. Paul Pogba. Oh, that bloody video. <laughs> we have to talk about it. This is the grumpy old man of me. Explain, what... explain the video for people who haven't seen it. Oh, yeah. This is completely off the cuff. And uh, somebody just happened to be there looking into the sunset of LA and captured a moment where he surprisingly tells Paul Pogba he's moving to United. Yeah, right. But anyway, it's all in French. And he's like, yeah, yeah. All done and dusted. I'll see you tomorrow. And Paul Pogba was pretending to be shocked. And then they do their... What we're going to see whenever Paul Bogba or Lukaku scores, they do a bloody another one. Little dance. Morel Lingard has been pushed to one side now. He's, yeah, he's gone. Yeah. Little dance, li- little dab. Yeah. And this is something, as you said, like it, it, we're obviously a lot older yeah. now. When you this sc- is my grumpy old man piece, unfortunately. Yeah. It, it is what it is. It's football now, but it drives me insane. <laughs> but I think kids love it. Yeah. Well, I don't mind on the pitch. It's this crap now. Like it's off the crap the off the internet. It's the, it's that kind of stuff that winds me up. Like go and win a trophy for us, mate. A bit like Rio Ferdinand. I, I I do agree with it. go and win a trophy, mate, and then you do your stupid dabs and whatever else you want to do. Um and show up. Like don't care what you know you did last year. You know you had a good year last year, but their world record fee man wasn't really very much a part of it. And now he's gonna have to make sure he steps up next year, especially with Latan gone. It's it's shut up or put up now. You know. Well, he's 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 actually released uh, some comments. Mm. Um, claiming he's joining the biggest club in the world yeah he said it's the biggest club in the world a club that wants to win the league again and be dominant in the world again uh, of course a bit like Robbie Keane it's a club he always wanted to be with he didn't have to think <laughs> twice it's a lifelong dream a lifelong dream to play for uh, Birmingham <laughs> <laughs> where uh, am I <laughs> but it, it He's the deal is going to be great. He's going to play Champions League football. He's going to Aye, for him. It's massive. In, fa- in fairness, it's a, it's, a, it's a good move for him. But uh, agents and Rayola. Now yeah, yeah. these are the people who are squeezing a lot of money out of football. Yeah. And I think Alex Ferguson had something to say a good long yeah, time last, ago. No, not just only in the last oh, week last or two. Week he was two. doing a, a chat with Sale Sharks uh, rugby team, and he was doing a bit of a motivational slash kind of uh, thing with them, and. It, it's, I think he's he's definitely one of the forwards. He's a big, huge block of a guy here. I can see his face here. But uh, he asks him about Paul Bogba and why they why did they let him go? I th- kind of thing. I think this is like if it was in, in Twitter form. This is a retweet from a long time ago. Because I think he said something similar yeah. when Pogba left, left to exactly. go to Juventus. But the yeah. guy kind of basically asks, how on earth did you let a 100 million player go? And uh, here's Ferguson's uh, reply. Sir Alex, with all this analysis and coaching and looking at everything, why was no one able to at least acknowledge the undeniable talent that is Paul Pogba? Why was no one able to identify that Paul Pogba was going to be a hundred million pound player? (laughs) 
Oh yeah, straight to the point. <laughs> An he, SH1 teabag. Yeah, yeah. Basically, he goes on to say, listen, he had a cracking deal on the on his plate. And uh, Rayola went, no, I've got a better one somewhere. Let's go. And uh, that's the real reason why he went. And that's the scourge of football that Fergie always goes back to. It's the agents. And you can, you can see that all over. Yeah. You can see that all over. And if, so, if, if like, an, an agents are starting, if, yeah. even if players are settled, they start the they're starting to start the rumours and then start to mo- make movements happen when players probably don't They only make it. money when their players move or get new deals. And I'd say even the rumour a week or two ago of Liverpool for Mbappe, which is highly unlikely, I'd say that was released for no other reason to get the fire under somebody else who he really wants to go to. Mm. You know, and because it said, oh, Mbappe, potentially Liverpool have to bust Liverpool uh, sources from Liverpool are, they don't think he's going to come to England in other words like if you, whoever the real club is which could be Real Madrid or whoever if they don't get the finger out he's going here like that's obviously the threat of whatever the agent is but that's why you have to be very careful with all these rumours it's they're being set up by people they are a real rumour by somebody but yeah. it's a pawn the club could be a pawn yeah you know the um the knock on effect I, from the no I know I seen a picture of a Liverpool fan at a match at the end of the season yeah. with, with Mbappe on the back of his jersey <laughs> now is that we is all it, have them don't we uh, there's, that's optimism personified yeah, yeah. Uh, Liverpool what are they going to do very very quiet very very uh, disappointing at the moment but hopefully see Liverpool form over the last couple of seasons has been very much bang season's over two three four players in early nice and then pick up one or two as the summer goes on they only have Salah, really. Now, they got the young Solanke, who is pretty much... You kind of know he's not going to be straight into the first 11. He's going to be on the periphery for potentially League Cup games or yeah, yeah. with the Champions League. And who knows? He could be a star in the making. You don't know. But Salah is the one and only at the moment. And obviously, Van Dijk, they got caught with their pants down with Van Dijk. You know, we all, they, they all tap up players without a shadow of a doubt, but it was a bit too blatant with Liverpool and yeah. hence why they had to go quiet in that. But I'm sure they're still trying to get him because a lot of people are saying... Watch this space, they're going quiet. They'll they've, got compet- they've got competition now. Exactly now. Jesus, everyone they're getting in the act. Um, they've bought five or six good players with good money, but they're all the good players. They're not the best of the best because you're not going to get it with everything, but they're assembling a tidy little team now. And if a couple of them click early, you could be talking about a top seven now and not just a top six. Yeah. And uh, they could rightly get in the mix of, at the very least, the Europa League spots um, for next year and, and, and more. Um, and with Rooney coming in, it could it could be a renaissance for him for a season or two. It might just give him that little injection well, he, he needs to finish off his career because it's, it's going down rapid very quickly and he's going to be forgotten. He has to prove himself yeah. now. And because this is, um, you know, he, he, he either does it or doesn't. And if he doesn't do it at Everton, that's him finished, more yeah. or less. And he's got he's China. He's still only, what, 31? 31. Yeah. He's got China in the States. So basically it's a retirement fund yeah. football then after yeah. that. So I, to, I, I've... I have a feeling that he's going to do a good job with them. Um, and yeah, the players... That I'd be sticking my neck out and saying something similar. I think he's got a shot there of well, kind of really galvanising potentially what's there. With Everton, is there a, a chance, because Koeman is a shrewd operator, hmm. is there a chance there could be a push? You, you, this is the beauty of it. Like, no matter who you buy, like these YouTube clips hang people. I yeah. love it when they jump on Facebook. Oh, look at this. And one of our friends, Al Mar, I have to call him out big Aston Villa fan from a couple of years ago he sent one to Dotsie about a guy called Vertu yeah. who had a bit of form and he goes oh look at this he looks class and I just laughed and I don't even know if he played a minute for Villa Yeah, they all do some of my other mates have put up 
this Kalasnic or whatever I'll look at him he's a beast for Arsenal if he comes out that way that's great but it's all guesswork lads it is. I'm sure I can get a great clip of Jimmy Girardi being the best centre half in the world we can all do it right. so calm down lads They've, they all have their moments that's what wait and see wait and see it's about consistency yeah. yeah. and that's one of the reasons why I look at Man United with Lukaku Lukaku's proven in the Premiership mm. Morata's not so yeah. it may be yeah. a better deal Um Leicester City I was looking at yes right uh, there hasn't been one bid in for Marhez so far interesting I'm not actually surprised because he was a shadow of himself last yeah. year didn't do an awful lot I watched a good few games with him not, not, not very interesting at all he wasn't um, and they're after they're in for 25 million for Ian Nacho yeah from Man City so and they've, they've got Bora I think from Sevilla the yeah, defensive the, midfielder he's the captain skipper, yeah. Sevilla skipper so there's, there's interesting things with Leicester there again could Leicester ruffle a few feathers again not saying they, they go on and, and win I mean that's mm. probably a one off but certainly you look at the Premier League they're it's able to get their, great players in it's for their obviously there's a lot more healthy teams financially healthy teams yeah. in England and that's why even the likes of Sevilla are probably struggling because Every Spanish club, bar Barca and Real, and even sometimes Barca struggles from time to time. They have a year or two off where they can't really buy anyone because they they, they don't have the mega money that England have, like from from them two down, because they have separate uh, TV deal. Yeah. So Real and Barca are able to do their own deals and make loads of money while the others get scraps. So hence why your Leicester can come in and grab Seville skipper who. What was it, three years in a row they won Europa League then Champions League? Like, this yeah. is a serious outfit. Serious team, yeah. And they're able to come in and go, we'll take game, good luck. So it just goes to show you how healthy it is. And it just further reinvigorates just how strong this league is going to be. And anyone who runs away with this title will be seriously impressive because it could be just as tough next year, especially with all these next-tier players that are coming into all the other squads. It's going to be very, very, very competitive next year. Unbelievably competitive. Uh Man City have bought a couple of players in Bernardo yeah. Silva um, they're not finished they're, and they're not finished uh, talk about Danny Alves mightn't yeah. go now yeah. you're talking about Paris Saint-Germain mightn't snap him up but uh, I mean you're, you think that they're going to be in and around you know they're yeah. going to buy a few players Arsenal um, probably still have one or two to go maybe probably still have one or two what's Lacazette yeah. who the centre forward they probably need they're all getting excited about her plus there's another player if Giro goes to Everton you've got Rooney behind him yeah. and then all the others that they bought it's it's scary stuff what, what can can happen underneath the big six isn't it yeah Liverpool you, you're expecting a few in United are definitely not finished Chelsea Conte is getting very frustrated the rumour mill is kicking off again he has form of leaving when it's not going his way yeah they're still waiting on now obviously Morata could be up for grabs now that Lukaku has got it's there's still one or two moves to kick everything into gear and I think Mbappe could be the big one if he ends up going to your Barca's or Reals that'll unlock the other scraps and then more players will start to move there is definitely one more big move to really kick it all off I think yeah um, well listen this is obviously yeah, this is the, the, the real stuff starting to kick off now because there's a, there's a few um, a few deals done over the next month we're going to know a hell of a lot more and we'll talk about it in that period and obviously the championship the Scottish Premiership and all that they all start yeah. at the end of July start of August so we'll, we'll get more onto that